You are listening to the Worth the Fight podcast radio program with special guest, Jose Toots Tudevin, immigrant, portrait photographer, immortalizer of the human spirit. Here are your hosts, Dustin Fox and Brian Bros. How's it going, everybody? This is Dustin Fox bringing you the Worth the Fight podcast. Sitting across from me, as he usually is, is my dude, Brian Bros. What's up, guys? Happy quarantine. Brian Bros for you. Now, we were just talking just a second ago about how we just realized that there are probably people listening to this who have no idea what our faces look like. It's true. Yeah. You know what I want? I want people to like send in drawings, like interpretations of what they think we look like. Ooh, just they should do a giveaway purely on our voice. Yeah, and like it has to be like a crayon drawing or something. Just no. any sort of draw, any sort of rendering you can do in a computer. You can do it on paper, pencil, pen doesn't it matter. It has to be Microsoft Paint. <laughs> That'd Guys, be great. What, we should really do that. That'd be great. Okay, incoming. Keep your what, eyes peeled. What do you think we look like for a, a giveaway where you have to draw our voices? Yeah. Are we both in our early 20s or are we both in our mid 40s? Here's a clue. No. No. It's neither of those. Okay. So, guys, we have a really, really, really awesome interview for you today. Yeah. Our guest is Toots. Jose Tutaven, as he's also known. But, but I like Toots. Toots, Toots, is cool. is, Toots is cool. Probably one of the most genuine down to earth artists I've, I've met. He, he genuinely cares about his art other people's art and what he's doing but uh he was he was born and raised in in ecuador and spent the first like 10 or 11 years of his life there and then had to move from there to to new york and then um moved on to the part where dustin interrupted me i knew i forgot that. <laughs> that's all right i'm gonna do it right now it's all good i like what uh, we're doing here that's great I'll, no, let's just pretend that i made that edit let's just keep going with yeah it. So uh, this is the part where I'm supposed to interrupt and say that, um, and this is actually true, and this is kind of really very sad, but he lost his his mother early on in life, um, which, as Brian said, kind of brought him from Ecuador to New York, which is where he lives now. So we talk a lot about um, just various tragedies that he went through when he was a kid and sort of, you know, a lot of what we're interested in as a show, which is how those experiences turned into sort of a love for creating for art for portraiture in his case um and i had a freaking blast this was a great interview really good interview so without any further ado whatsoever toots i just want to start off with this because we were going to ask you about this anyway um i saw i found on your facebook a quote Mm -hmm. and i'm just going to read it real quick and i'm just curious what this means to you and if you can elaborate on a little bit for me sure Uh, quote goes like this Success to me is determined by how well your accomplishments satisfy your purpose. Copyright toots. I love that quote. Uh, by the way. I, let's rephrase that. I did not come up with that quote. Oh, really? I don't know where I found it. I don't know who said it. Uh, if one of your, if you can try to research it, great. Um, but I know I read it somewhere, and I think I read it on a book. Okay. Um, I think that spoke volumes to me levels as far as like because i think that a lot of people are trying to uh be successful in everything that they do right and and for me i think at one point you know we have so many like levels of ideas of what success means to us um when i first started in this field um it was definitely one of those uh i concepts of like i want to be successful in everything that I do, right? That's our goal. And no matter what uh, what I do, I want to be good at it, but I want to succeed in it. And throughout times and throughout failures and throughout a lot of like risks and, and leaps of faith, I came to find out that success to me is really just uh, a moment, a simple, simple feeling and emotion that you feel when you accomplish something great um, because you put a lot of work into it. When I think about success, the first thing that comes to me is when I wake up every morning and I say to myself, am I happy doing what I love to do? The first thought that comes to my mind is, am I really happy waking up knowing that I'm doing what I love to do before all the worries, you know? And I think that's a form of success for me. It's like if I say, yes, I am extremely lucky, I'm extremely happy that I took this career path which whatever it is that you, you your path is, 
but the 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 idea is to have that joy and happiness and fulfillment of waking up every morning saying to yourself I am grateful and I'm happy that I can that I enjoy waking up doing what I love to do and I think that's a form of success um so and and for me success means you know doing all these accomplishing all these goals whether it's small or big it's 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 like a accumulation of all these small successes that pile up and it's just on top of failures on top of like you know like other problems and so the goal is to you're never going to have 100% success in your work I, i think that success comes with failure success comes with trouble success comes with challenges and i think that as long as your accomplishments are fulfilling your purpose and your path of what you feel like you need to accomplish to feel purposeful then those are forms of success for you i think it's really cool you you were just talking about um the success is on top of failure um you can't I can't have one without the other. It's like it's it really almost is. like going into like a bakery and on all you can really see about a cake is the icing until you yeah. slice it. And that to me, I think so many people I mean, and the thing about Instagram is it's all icing. The social media is all icing. So you aren't able to see, you know, and again, that's what we're hoping to do here with you today. Um, you're not able to see that this takes work. And then yeah. you have these guys that kind of come on as influencers and they go, Hey, I'm an expert in this. I'm not going to tell you why or how I got there or what my credentials are. Just trust me. And this is how you do it, and this is how you never fail at it. And the problem with that, with learning that way, is that none of it sticks because the failure is, like you said, it's part of it. It's built on failure, uh, in my experience. I mean, that's that's how I feel. And I, I think that's true. I think that's totally true. It comes. It's across the board with anything that you do. I mean, if you're not failing, that means you're not challenging yourself and you're not taking risks. I think that exactly. is part of life in general. Right on. Well, I want to get into some of that. Um, so this, you know, we just kind of scoured your website, a little bit of, you know, what we could on you and we'd love to hear, you know, some more that we couldn't find, just kind of get to know, uh, what your journey was. Um, so I'd like to start off just kind of at the beginning with, uh, with your life. Um, we found on the internet and I believe it is true <laughs> that uh, you were born in Ecuador spent the first what yeah. was it? it was first 10 11 years of your life so we'll do a quick there, fact right. check yeah. true or false Ecuador yeah. yes true yes, I okay am, I was born and raised in Ecuador okay so, yeah could you could you talk to us a little bit about that just kind of your your early life there any any fond memories and just kind of all right so I'll try to keep this very uh, simple as possible you know because it's, it's definitely a complicated there's a, there's, there's a lot uh, to unpack life, life that I've, I've gone through so yeah I was born in Ecuador I'm Ecuadorian uh, all my parents are from Ecuador, uh, born and raised. And but my dad, uh, my dad um, was in the Navy, and he ended up relocating to the U.S. Um, at a very early age. Um, so he was obviously like a green card alien. Um, uh, and I'm basically my sister and I basically are, are like our first, um, I guess, uh, uh, immigrant generation. Gener- I don't know what he called. It. I forgot what they call it. But um, first, generation first, first generation of immigrants yeah. in our family. And um, we, I got my citizenship when I was probably like 18. But I lived, I, I, most of my early childhood from like toddler to about 10 years old, I, was, I lived in Ecuador. I went to school in Ecuador and, and stayed with my mom, lived with my mom while my dad was here making money and sending pretty much um, cash to us. And he was the provider. He was the financial provider. Uh, he was, he wasn't really fully uh, in, involved in our day-to-day activity but uh, you know it's like technology wasn't advanced in the 19 early 1980s so it was all about calling cards and like telephones at that point you know there was really no no type of other form of communication um so it was a very i really had little little um time and memories of of my dad in our family because it was always that's how structure was in our in our in my upbringing is that we lived with our moms and we lived with our grandmother and and uh, my dad was here just providing financially, making sure we have a good life in Ecuador. Um, eventually, my mom passed away uh, due to cancer. Um, and um, it was definitely, uh, uh, that's when sort of my life kind of went upside down. Uh, pretty much leaving my friends behind. We had to relocate with my dad. Um, he was pretty much alone, so we. And this was ended in the up, this was in the Bronx in New York. This was in Brooklyn, actually. My dad lived in Brooklyn originally, uh, 
this was like the early, this was in 1989 when my mom passed away. So we moved permanently relocated to the U.S. with my dad in the early 1990s. And um, unfortunately, my dad um, went through a lot of problems with like depression and like drinking habits and just pretty much um, he wasn't a parent. He really didn't know how to raise kids because he wasn't around. So for him, that was another culture shock. I didn't become aware of this until later on in my years when I'm a lot older. But at, at, a, at 10 years old, I pretty much was had to relocate with my dad and pretty much find a new form of lifestyle here, you know, find called the, you know, the Brooklyn home now, you know, for who knows how long. Um, I thought it was a temporary thing. Honestly, I thought that this was just going to be a temporary move. And then I was going to go back to Ecuador and continue my life over there. It wasn't really something that was planned at all. I think the initial plan was for me to just uh, stay in Ecuador and just live off in Ecuador and just travel back and forth to the U.S. just to visit my dad. But really, my life and everything was going to be pretty much maintained over there. Um, but as immigrant family, you know, like um, once within the we had to like work you know, to make money while we were out there. So it's the immigrant despite, hustle. It is. Yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty much, you know, at those, at that time, you know, everything was about like, make sure you get a job that eventually, you know, and go to school that pays well. And then once you, and, and then kind of like work your way up so you can get more money, you know, like go from like, you know, a janitor to like a cashier to like a supervisor or manager, and then kind of build to get the highest pay rate in whatever occupation you're in. It wasn't really about like fulfilling your passion or go go pursue like your dream job or or go be, you know, like practice some sort of artwork because that wasn't guaranteed financial stability. You know, it was all about like be a lawyer or be a, a finance, something in finance or be a doctor. You know, that's pretty much the, the mentality that we had um, growing up. What, what I don't know if you want to go into how I got into photography, but uh, my daughter was born in 2011, and the first thing that came to my mind is, like, I want to document, you know, her. You know, at that time, we were still with, uh, I think we were still playing with, like, at 2011, I think we were still Blackberries, right? I don't even know. <laughs> Something like that. Gosh, I don't know. I can't Te even remember. Technology's gone so far. I don't remember so life like, before of the phone. I, yeah. yeah. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. Probably, yeah. It was probably all just Blackberries and little flip phones at that point. Yeah, I mean, Instagram wasn't, I mean, Instagram came in, what, 2010? But it wasn't the platform that it is now. It, it wasn't right. a thing. You know, for... it, was like, it was all about, like, filters at that so point. So the iPhone Instagram. would have just it wasn't come really out, about. Though. Yeah. And um, I ended up committing to buying an entry-level camera, DSLR, which was a T3i, a Canon T3i. That was my, that was my first camera, was and a T bought... Canon T3i. Yeah, it was great. It was great. Um, I fell in love with it. I fell in love with the, the, the concept of like creating something from nothing, you know, like almost like you're giving birth to a picture and like putting it out in the world. And for me, that was at that time in my life, I felt like that void was, it's almost, I was becoming alive again from this creativity, a form of like new, uh, art. And, and, and I think I felt like this is something that I've never felt before in my life throughout my years. And uh, it's something that I felt like was missing. I think this is something that I wanted to pursue and fulfill and feel more of it. It was definitely more of a feeling of, of, of like passion and energy that I felt like I needed to pursue more of. So what I did is I never stopped shooting. I used my daughter as my first muse. I was taking like 5,000 pictures a month of her from that, from those, like from that little thing, from like just in the house. And um, I just felt like there was just a lot of, it just felt refreshing to me. It felt like I was born again in some way or somehow. Like life was, my eyes like really woke up and I started seeing things that I never saw before. And um, that's pretty much the, how I got into loving um, taking pictures or loving the, the, the concept of photography. Did I think I was going to be able to like pursue it as a full time? Not, that was way too early for me to decide. It, it happened probably in 2014, 2013, 2014, when I started to realize maybe this is something I can really like do full time. Um, when I started to realize that in my job, I started to call out sick because uh, I wanted to go and take this like free job of, of photography, like shooting portraits or shooting a kid's party or even like doing an engagement photo shoot 
and I was really calling out sick. I, my work ethic started to diminish. My, my boss at that time was really seeing that I wasn't really interested in what I was doing. And I was at a really, really um, managerial position. And I was really at a point where my manager was like, okay, there's two things you could do in here. You either, we either take on a role where it's more of like a paper pusher and become more of like department head, or you start really on focusing on what you really want to do. This is the way you need to like really make a big decision. Do you want to focus on staying in this corporate life and be like a CTO in the future? Or do you want to focus on like on this craft, on this new form of art, like where it's totally like two different paths? Um, I told them that, well, there's a position open in marketing and I feel like I want to take it. And he looked at me, he's like, you know what? You sound very sure of this. So let's, I ended up moving to the marketing team and just kind of getting the concept of understanding marketing and like the, the concept of like, branding and the concept of like understanding how um creating something more of a visual statement for the company instead of just like fixing things you know it's more about rebranding a company and i think that's my early stages of understanding what how big branding can be a huge um part of a business and how impactful that can be to guide your business into being marketable um, those, I only did that for about six months until the company went down. The company ended up like really, really, they fired like about maybe five to a thousand people, 500 to about a thousand people within a year. And they gave me a package. They were like, at least you got some experience in marketing. And I had two decisions to make. Either I look for a job in IT because it's something that was, that represented in my resume and I was more likely to get a job because there was certainty in it or do I commit into this new photography world and just devote my time on this to see where it leads? Um, I think oh, I looked at old signs, really. I felt like something was telling me, everything was falling on my lap as far as like the, the photography and just like the artistic world that I decided to take that leap of faith and say, I'm gonna devote the next three months into just building my portfolio and um, I'm not gonna pursue interviews or other jobs that, in, in, that I've been working on for that. That's been my experience for the last 10 years. I want to just give that up and just focus on this. And, um, that was 2015, 2014, 2015. And I'm still here. Now, when you were doing that, when, when you're making those decisions, um, whether or not you want to stay in the corporate world for probably better money or more, uh, secure career. Um, did, did you have kids at that point or not yet? Yeah. I had my daughter. My daughter was still there, 2011, um, 2014, yeah. My son was born in, uh, in 2013, so that was another aspect of it, you know. It was definitely a, diff it was, it was a big decision. It was a huge decision for me. Like, do I, do I give up this comfort of stability, financial stability, so I can maintain, you know, my lifestyle and provide for my family, or do I take this big leap of faith and just say, I want to start from scratch and just feel very confident that I can make it, you know, you know, like I definitely had to make the, I had to like analyze the budgets here. It's like, okay, in order for me to maintain the current lifestyle, I have to make this amount of money every month. Right. So that was the biggest step for me to take this leap of faith. So I said to myself, can you make this amount of money every month? There's a big, huge fear on that because nothing is secure. You know, this is now it's all on me. Now it's like I can't rely on pension. I can't rely on, on a package. I can't rely on employment and nothing like that was going to work. I think um, aside from me saying to myself, um, I was very confident in accomplishing a lot of things that I felt like if I was if I was really passionate about. I always sent, I had a sense of like determination to go all the way with it until I know I can't do it anymore. There had nothing in my realm at that time was telling me I cannot do this. Everything was really telling me you have all the options here to create and make it happen. Um, there's nothing telling me you can't succeed in this. So until I found a good reason or something telling me that you can't be a photographer anymore, then I'm, I'm going to continue on this path. Like, for example, if I, had, if I was to injure my hands, then that would be a situation that would be like, okay, I can't shoot anymore, so I have to look for something else. So that's the way I kind of looked at it. And obviously, I had a good support system at home. You know, like, 
you know, my wife had a good, good, um, she was a big, one of the biggest supporters. She was my number one fan and she supported me throughout all this. And she says, listen, I'm here for you, but obviously like we'll take it day by day and see what happens. And I think for me was basically that support was very important because you can't do this alone. If I wasn't, you know, especially with my family, you know, at that point I didn't want to, you know, you know, like as a man and as coming from like a, a very traditional family, like it's very much the, the man is a provider. You know, it's like I have to provide for my family no matter what, you know, whether it's going, going to work something really small or just make some money, make sure I bring some food to the table. And that was that was my huge um, push to always say I can't give up technically, you know. Um, but yeah, it's it was a scary feeling at the beginning, but um I think part of me just felt like I was really, really um, in love with this process. The challenge was definitely for me. I love the challenge. And I think it, again, the whole eye awakening and feeling in love with this whole new like industry was really, really something that I needed to find an answer if I was fit for this. I'm really curious, man, about the, you know, we talked a little bit about your upbringing, um, you know, sort of how... You, it sounds like you found something in photography. Um, you kind of touched on it, but I mean, I'm just, I really want to know um, that maybe allowed you to express something or, or um, get something out that you didn't feel like you could have any other way. Um, at least that's what I'm kind of picking up on what you're saying. I mean, what was that? And I'm also curious about, you know, we talked about um, you moved here when you were 10, you know, your mother passed away. Um, you know, what, how, how did you get from that, from, you know, from 10 um, being in, a well, one thing, for one thing, I mean, people, when they think about immigrants as an American, they usually think that they want to be here and that we have the goods and everybody's trying to get what we got and take our jobs and all that. And in your case, you right. didn't even necessarily want that, at least starting out. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so what, I'm, I'm just curious, you know, what happened in, you know, when being just sort of rooted out from where you were being, 10 years old, feeling, I'd like to hear it from you, but potentially maybe like you didn't have a place um, or didn't know, you know, to who you belong, to which country you belong, you know, things like that. Um, What was it about that, if anything, that you think art fulfilled? Yeah, I mean, that's definitely, I definitely feel like um, it was almost like a soul searching type of decision, right? For me, I think that the concept of photography definitely made me do a lot of soul searching. Um, my early years was, was very um, difficult to um, adapt to because you don't really realize at the early ages of what you're going through. You don't comprehend um, that this is not normal right. until you, you start seeing other people that are technically normal. You know, like I definitely made some good friends throughout the years, but I realized one thing. A lot of my friends had a mom or had a dad or had a picket fence, or had siblings, or had a good home, or had good schooling, or just had like great birthday parties. I think um, I really didn't have birthday parties when I was growing up. You know, it it all stopped when I moved to the U.S. You know, it's like maybe a cake, but it wasn't around friends. It wasn't around, um, it was, we were celebrating with colleagues at like, you know, happy hours. You know, it wasn't really, so I was so disconnected with my family because everybody was in Ecuador. I really didn't have a family here. Family here was mostly my neighbors. Family here was mostly like people at school. Family here was mostly like uh, my colleagues at work. Those are who I felt like was, were the ones that knew me the most um, aside from my family. My family really was disconnected from all this because they were in a different country. I do have cousins here, but they were, you know, um, they were in different states, you know, or they were doing what they needed to do. Um, so for me, I think that stability, um, I definitely went through a phase of, uh, I guess what they call abandonment at some time. So you feel like for me growing up throughout my early years was the concept, I already realized that nothing is permanent. Nothing is, is stable in my life. You know, like you grew up with something, you love something, that thing that you love is technically will be gone one day. Hence like my mom, my dad, my friends, my school, my family, all that sort of in back of my head was building up, you know, but you don't realize it until later through the years of 
why am I feeling this way? Why do I feel like I don't belong to something? Why do I feel like I'm, I don't have like all this, I can't relate to people that have friendships when, of a, when they were in third grade with somebody or, or, you know, or have like, in my wedding, I didn't even have like a, I didn't even have a best man. So it's crazy. Like, I really didn't have that structure, that foundation and that stability. I was, I almost felt like I was a, a nomad or a loner. I was meant to like, just almost like a, a, a gnome, you know, like the, the traveling gnome where it's like, okay, this is where you're going to be after the next year or two. And then you're going to, this is going to end soon. So you got to move on to the next thing. So don't get, don't invest too much in these relationships and, but it was something that was subconsciously, I was already prepared for. So I think when I, those early years, when I, I think photography, what brought, I think that brought a lot of that out of me, uh, awareness. Um, with photography was mostly about what I loved is that I was able to look at an image and from that image, it created a memory. And from that memory, it, cre- it, it gave me an experience and a feeling. And for me, it was almost like I was doing like a visual diary. Because I don't want this feeling to ever, I don't want to forget this feeling again. Right. Oh, I don't, because it's something that I felt for me was, this is what photography is doing for me. It's giving me memories that I won't forget. And it's something that's permanent in my mind and in my brain. You said something in a video too that we watched on your website. And hearing you say this now, it really brings out to light that you said, you know, when you're shooting a portrait of somebody, um, you may not ever see that person again or your relationship with that person may fade but you will always have a relationship with that photo yeah yeah uh, your own interpretation of what the meaning of that photo is too like it, it means right and so even if that person goes away which you know as you were saying you you know that's a fear in the back i think a lot of people's minds um that you know change is inevitable and loss is yeah. a real thing you know once you experience it it's hard to forget it um that photography is in a way uh able to immortalize people that's the perfect answer. That's the perfect word I was looking for. And I think that brought some sort of stability in my life when it came to comparing to what I, I, how the way I grew up. You know, like, I think that's been the most, um, I would say the most, it, it's like almost like you're, you appreciate now every single time you pick up a camera and you meet somebody. Because now I'm thinking like, this could be a great memory that I'm going to have in my forever in my mind. So that's what, that's why I love photography. I think I'm currently falling, like, it's like almost falling in love with photography every single time that you pick it up because it's a new experience for you. And it's a new memory that you get to add into your list of, in your bucket or, or, or in your void in those empty spaces that you feel like you're filling in. And it makes you feel like you're always, uh, almost like you, you living, you're not just there. You're, you're literally living through like those moments. So talk, talking about that moment and talking about authenticity, how, how for you, how do you find or create an authentic moment for you? What, is there a process? Do you kind of wait for the moment to happen? Do you do things to try to influence that moment? Where I think that, you know, at the beginning it was mostly about learning photography and the technical aspects of it. You know, that's always the initial part and seeing how far you can go. Um, once you go through that process, it becomes very stale, right? You feel like, okay, now what do I do? Right. Um, I went through definitely very various stages of like forms of photography, like landscape, you know, like low light shooting, um, portraiture, candid, environmental portraits, cars, products. You go through everything, right? And then you kind of like eventually what it led me back throughout all these years of shooting is portraits, is people, right? And I was like, I know why, because not every person is the same, you know. Not every, you know, like every person has a, brings a different element in your life. Um, I think that what hit me the most was working with people. Um, the, the impact for me and, and, and like the passion behind it or the reason behind like why I like to shoot people is because they have stories to tell, at least one good story to tell. And from that one story, for me, it makes me feel like I'm always learning something new from every person that I meet. You know, like I take my time to to actually get to know the person that I'm working with. I don't care if it's just I don't care about age. I don't care about if it's a corporate job or a personal job or a business job. I literally take my time to understand um, you and who you are before I even pick up a camera. 
what is it about the situation that um, is going to help benefit you? You know, like for me, it's like, what are you, I, I tell you, I'm, I'm willing to like, just listen for like X amount of time because I want to know that I'm comfortable with you when I pick up that camera. And I want to know that you're comfortable with me when I pick up the camera. I don't want that, that consciousness of like the camera being, uh, 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 like a, a wall. I don't want the camera to be an actual wall between us. I just want to break through that wall first. So that way you're really just comfortable with me. And like we've shared some stories now, which whether it's laughs or like sadness or like emotions, but it's definitely emotions. And you are now more comfortable and will, and now you are open there pretty much opening to me being very, uh, transparent as far as like being themselves comfortable with being themselves and that's where i find joy as far as like in capturing these images when they're at that moment because ultimately what i want them to do is when they leave that session or whatever session or project or work is that they feel almost like they just went through therapy you know it's like they feel like that was a great session i feel so good whether it's like 10 minutes or 30 minutes or four hours into it, I always want them to feel like, okay, we maybe we never got the shot that we were looking for, right? But you remember the experience that we just had. You remember that it was such a good feeling. You know, it's like that compensates over anything because you're leaving with such a joy and such a great um, positive attitude that, you're ready to attack another day or you're ready to commit to doing this. Why? And you question, you make them question why they're doing what they're doing too. I think that's very important. Like everyone has a purpose and I think it's nice to know what is your purpose at some point. So maybe I can help you guide you there or maybe us working together, talking about it can give you a better understanding of you in the right path or not. Is that something that you learned or, I mean, were you, what, what gave you the idea that, it was more important for you to get to know this person than to take a good photo of that person. Um, it, it could be because I wanted, I had a lot to vent, you know, maybe it's just me needing that or uh, originally, sure. you know, yeah. 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 It was, no. yeah, maybe it was me wanting to finally express, you know, what I need and what I want. Needing that connectivity and connection with people that was kind of deprived early on. You think is that, I think so. I think that has a lot to do with it. You know, me making connections um, and creating some sort of um, concrete um, memory or, 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 or something that's like infinite of me being embedded in your mind, not physically, but at least as a memory. I think we all go through something. I think, again, like as, as I talk to people, you can see a lot of people are struggling in this, in this field. And not just in this field, just in life, you know, and I think that everyone's looking to have someone just to listen. Um, and it doesn't have to be sad stories. It could be happy stories. You know, they could talk about like um, anything that has to do with like, you know, like a, a new job they got. And it's, it's similar to like, oh, my God, I just got hired by like this brand I've been looking for. And I'm so excited. And I'm just like, I want to listen. Why is it so exciting? What have you been? How long have you been working at this? You know, how many years? You know, like what is it that it take, took you to get there? And as much as like I'm, they telling me, the more I'm learning about how certain people are approaching certain things, and that actually filled my knowledge on like life in general, which has helped me throughout years understand like, okay, you're you're these type of you're that type of person where you feel joy about this. So it makes me um, feel like I can relate to a lot more people. The more um, people are willing to t tell me about their their life and their struggles and their fears and their energy and, and what inspires them. I think it just fills me up with knowledge on like understanding people better. And that'll ultimately inform your photography too and the way you want to shoot them or the way you end up taking the photo, I'd imagine. Right, right. Ultimately what I want to do is like, I mean, I have, a, I have one of my favorite photographers that I met throughout this industry is Josh Wool. And um, he said it well, he said, he, he admires a lot of people, but I think what I admired about him is that he's trying to find one image and that one image I want that image to express everything about that, about him or about her. His, his idea is not about curating like a, a editorial piece. It's about just one image, one iconic image that represents that person. And I think that that takes a lot of patience. That takes a lot of 
um, attention to the person that takes obviously not, you know, like there has to be a, a way that they can feel comfortable with the photographer. And for me, it's like, it's amazing because his, 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 his portrait speaks so much to me um, just from that one image. And that's like really impressive. That's really hard to do to just like find one image because for me, it's more like people are, are so, um, uh, they have various moods. So if anything, I like to sort of document, have a series of all these emotions of, of these people throughout the time that they're spending with me. Um, so for me, it's like capturing the joys and the, and the seriousness and the pensive or the sadness in our experience. It's more, it's like, how do I put that in one image? That's a challenge to myself. That's not, I, I'd rather, you know, look for images that they feel like they've never seen of themselves before. Well, I think that comes from talking with them and connecting with them with you said that first step will then later inform and allow you to take better photos of them because now you've gotten a sense of who they are and that can then come through in, in your photography as well. Exactly. One, one, exactly. one leads to the other ultimately, yeah. Yeah. Did you, were you an artistic kid? Did you have this kind of outlet in Ecuador or did you just feel like you were pen up until your 30s? <laughs> um, <laughs> it all built up to one, uh, to, put, to, one to that one photo <laughs> yeah. you know what I, I think like so when I remember that my mom was a very artistic person she was very into um, uh, she, she was into uh, arts and crafts and she was into um, uh, what do you call it a seamstress mm, I remember yeah. her going into her room in her private room and she had like this old vintage you know sewing machine and I, I've never I don't re, I remember I remember uh, my family uh, telling me that she, that was her dream, that was her passion, to open up a shop and to like tailor people, to like create these dresses and create this, this, I guess you can say she was like almost like a fashion designer of anything in that form in Ecuador. So I think if anything comes close to like being around that was definitely more uh, through my mom seeing those very limited images. But it's, it's a haze. You don't see it until later, you know, but at when I was young, I, don't, I remember playing the piano. That was probably the most artistic thing that comes to mind as far as like vividly. Other than that, it was just sports. Um, really never picked up a camera. Um, I drew a little bit when I was like in, you know, like a toddler. You know, I definitely like to draw a lot, but I lost all those crafts. When everything, all that happened as my early years when I was in Ecuador, but once like uh, my life changed drastically when I came here. It was mostly about like going to school um, and getting a job. That was that was the surviving the thing right for me. That was priority. What else do you remember about your mom? Oof. Um, I think my mom was. Uh, I think my mom was a very strong person. Uh, I, I do remember my mom being very um, passionate. She was very passionate in in. And I think in everything that she did, um, it's sad to say that I don't have too many um, memories of her because I, and, and, and I'm not sure why not, because I definitely like spent my early years in Ecuador. I mean, I mean, a lot of people tell me, like, especially my sister, my sister used to tell me I was the baby. I was very spoiled. But I, I remember that my mom was very protective over me, for sure. And I think she wanted the best for me. Um, one thing I think is because she I was really. I had a brother that passed away, but he was, he died before I was born. So he died. I think uh, he he would have been he would have been three years older than me. I think yeah. So um, my sister obviously remembered him because she's the oldest. Um, and I think that I think I was the last hope for sure. I was like I finally got my son that I, I was always wanted. It was I think my mom went through a lot of complications um, having kids, and I think I was the one that that really said said. I finally got what I wanted, and it's like, and I know that it must have been really difficult. Me now, as a parent, understanding that going through life and losing a child on top of that is is not doesn't sit well. I'm sure with with anyone or any parent or any any adult for that matter. Um, so if I was to put myself in her shoes, as far as like having a, a son that is alive and well, and knowing that you know, my, uh, my, the son passed away after he was born. I mean, that's scary in itself because you kind of relive that when you start to be, you know, with a new son, you know, a new child. So 
I think I put myself a lot in her shoes. Um, but I, I think that I was still at an early age, you know, eight years old. My daughter's nine. Um, what do you remember at eight years old? How much do you remember at eight years old? You know, like it, it's, I remember like having fun, but I don't remember a lot of like interactions with my mom or my dad, if anything, you know? So it was mostly with my grandmother and my, my aunts and my cousins. Do you ever think about, um, maybe you don't at all. Um, do you think about your mom or that, or the, you said that she was very much a creative person, very much a, a passionate person. Um, when you're creating your own art, does she come to your mind? And if so, how, I mean, what is, how do you think that she, you know, today even is affecting the art that you make? I, I'm going to honestly say, uh, no, I don't, I don't really think a lot about my past. I try to stay in the moment. Um, when I, I do feel like I wish there was more photos of my mom and my sure. dad and just my upbringing myself. There's not a lot of pictures that we can find of myself or just my family when I was growing up. There is one image of, I think is the only image of my mom and dad, my sister and I in one family picture. And I think that was probably one of the only pictures we ever taken together. Um, uh, I think that maybe it is somewhat of, of a subconsciousness for me to take pictures um, and keep them archived physically um, so I can go back and relive these memories somehow or some way because I don't have anything to, like any pictures of me or my parents or anyone in my family. So maybe it's a way to compensate um, for the images that I don't have to just create more and have all these images um, in my current situation, in my life right now. Um, especially when it comes to my kids and uh, my my family and just like them growing up so fast. So I think it's very important for me to just for myself and, all, and when they grow up, if they want to see it, it'll be there for them. You know, I think it's really cool. You I mean, I've never really thought about photography as a way to keep people alive, to mm -hmm. keep them in front of your mind and to, you know, and I mean, obviously they're memories and that, you know, we yeah. kind of all grew up with, you know, hopefully with a bunch of family photos everywhere. And obviously there's that, um, that, to me, I mean, th that's just really cool to me. I think, um, it's, it's cool to me that I think, and, and at least interesting that, you know, when you became a parent of your own and you had a daughter, like you said, your initial reaction was, I got to take pictures of this shit <laughs> because you know, it's, it was an instant. I mean, exactly. your daughter, your daughter is about as far from death at that moment as possible, but you're still thinking ahead to that sort of like, Oh man, starting now I have to, that's my, almost my job or, or my responsibility to give these memories to her and to keep them for myself and for my family and the world. Maybe I'm not sure uh, that that to me is just really it's cool. It's touching to hear that. I just feel like, I mean, maybe because of my upbringing, the way I was raised, and I think it's life in itself or situations in itself is temporary. Right. And I think that's sort of been my, my sort of lifestyle. Everything is temporary. I don't expect a lot of things that come into my life to stay in my life the way it is, or in general, like I feel like change is inevitable. I mean, it's going to come no matter what. I mean, look what we're facing now. I mean, yeah, it becomes an issue. It becomes a big concern when it happens. And you think you're ready for it, but you really, you might be prepared, but you're never going to be ready for it. That's the way I see it. Um, but I think that that has translated very well into the freelancing world for me. Um, going into a field that I don't know, don't understand, um, never been surrounded by it. I don't have peers or mentors to guide me. Um, I went through life learning on my own. Um, I be, you know, I learned all, you know, like being a man through like TV and best friends or like through YouTube, you know, all this stuff. I was raised by peer, like people around me. Like I really didn't have like a father figure or a male figure or somebody to look up to. It was really constantly searching. And when you do, when I did find someone to kind of like, wow, you're cool. I mean, let's hang out. I really want to have you around, but it's not permanent. You know, those people that you felt like you felt like can help you guide you through, you know, through like teenage years or through like a, like your first girl or sex or whatever it is. 
you feel like, you know, those are the ones you want to talk to, right, or get guidance from. But it's unfortunate that in my situation, that sort of stability wasn't there or that person wasn't really there. So I had to literally understand that, find the answers on my own in whatever means possible. And once I find the answer, it's like, okay, now I know, you know, it's like, I wish somebody would have told me <laughs> sooner, you know, like how to do certain things, you know, as a man or, you know, like whatever situation, I think um, it's, it's, it's definitely put a new perspective in me finding my own way, no matter what, or trying to find the answer for something or be determined enough to find a comfort in whatever situation, whether in, in a difficult situation. So with freelance, it kind of like, I kind of build up to it, like the way that I live is kind of like the way that I kind of formulated this, okay? My formula has been like, okay, if something bad happens, um, I'm not gonna let it consume me or like let, or put all these bad energy, energy into it and just kind of say, what is the solution and how do I find, how to find out to get out of this situation? So when I have like, those challenges and freelance and, and photography or whatever job there it is, I kind of just literally kicked the habit of, my habit has always been like, okay, I fucked up, I messed up. How do I get the fuck out of this? How do, how do I fix this? How do I move on from this? How do I know that this is not the last time it's gonna happen? So I'm gonna continue like to look at the positive side of all the situation. So with photography, it's been like that. It's been like challenges and failures and, and obstacles and, and feeling doubtful and feeling like somewhat that you don't belong like there's always reasons that makes you feel like you don't belong in this career but you're but if you really love it you're kind of like saying nah this is just temporary because what's the temporary. what's the alternative to it like what's the alternative like going back to something you don't love like you'd rather keep failing and failing and failing at this that is that's and the choice the choice yeah, is the, do the easy safe thing uh or yeah. do the thing that maybe doesn't have a a ceiling to it, but also you're not totally sure where the floor is, yeah. right? How does a failure set, set you up for later success? And do you have a favorite failure? Do you have a moment that it's kind of your favorite failure that you, you learn from the most or? Oof. Um, I think that my biggest failure, honestly, is um, not able to reach out a lot sooner to like the industry, like my peers in the industry. And, and, and I'm, I'm saying that because I feel like, um, having mentors and having someone to help you throughout these troubles could have been um, a lot, you, you could have like avoided a lot of things that were just obvious instead of finding it on your own. I mean, I have failed one of my biggest failures or like one of the biggest fails, I want to say failures, but biggest fails that I, I've had is, you know, like I did one campaign um, with the intention of like um, really, um, sort of feeling very confident about it and came back and the client was extremely unhappy. Um, gave me full creative direction and everything. This was early in my career. Um, I was a little cocky with it. I was definitely came at it like, I got this. You don't have to worry about it. Um, I went at it really, really wrong initially because um, I felt like you don't need to tell me what I, what I can do. I know what I can do. And I think that um, when I came back with it, the images, uh, as I sat down, as I sat down with with the client and looking over images, the expression on their faces as they were going through filtering the images said enough of me saying to myself, like even I said it, like I was like, oof, these are horrible. Um, I think that that situation definitely put a lot of a bit uh, of humbled me a lot in that situation as far as like. Um, you're never going to be good at everything that you do. You're never going to nail the campaign. I think that you go in it, just giving it your best. Uh, and because I went in there cocky, went in there very uh, aggressive with like, I don't need to work hard for this. I know I got this. Um, put, a, put a necessary seed in my head to never um, see it as like easy. I think that you gotta, whether it's a small job or a big job, you, you better go beyond your limit on making sure that you try your hardest, your best, and give it your best effort. Um, because the constant reminder of that face of that client going through the images <laughs> is a reminder. It's definitely, it's instilled in my brain. It's too bad you didn't have like I a video clip of like to... just their reactions. I don't think he needs one, on man. I think, I think he's got one already in his head there. 
Disappointment is a bitch. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It sticks with you more than success sometimes, too. <laughs> it's like that's like in the bottle of like right underneath the success is right underneath it. That face is a failure. Everything's built but on it, but face. it keeps it keeps building up to have better successes though, because you definitely don't want to get that failure again. I think. I mean, you were talking about and uh, you know just just right before this, you were saying how um, the uh, the sorry, I'm I'm drawing a little bit of a blank right now. No, go, um, for go for it. You were talking about how um, you... I forgot what I was going to say. I lost it entirely. It was really, really good. Ah! It's it's fine. It's fine. I'm the one editing this, by the way. So so I never said that at all. That never happened. Um, That's wonderful. Um, I've got to think of it again because it was really good. Uh, we're we're getting towards the end here, but we uh, one one more couple oh, things I'm we have. I'm having fun, man. This is great. Okay, good. What what advice would you give your ten year old self entering the U.S. for the first time? Where you are now, from kind of early on when you first first got here, what, what what have you learned? What what advice would you give him? Um, I think I think the biggest advice I would tell myself right now it would would be um, stay in touch with your family as much as you can, communicate with your family as much as you can. Um, create create a lot more time with spending time with like your siblings your your parents um your family at home no matter how far they are um i think that would have been a huge difference in my life for sure and you know what i think you know obviously like there's a double-edged sword like would i be here doing what i'm doing right now if it wasn't for my upbringing the, the way i was you know brought up would I still be a photographer? I don't know. Maybe if my mom wouldn't have passed away, would I be here in the U.S. doing what I'm doing now? Or would I be uh, uh, successful in another way in Ecuador? Doing Maybe I still would be doing photography, maybe but in Ecuador. But, you know, maybe I would have been traveling all over the world. You know, it, there's definitely a lot of, like, parallel universes of me, you know, like, if my mom was, it's like, if my story would have been, like, a lot different, um, at my early age, you know, circumstances wouldn't ha- haven't put me in the situation. Um, but I think that's important. I this is uh, to go back to what I was what I forgot did, to did say. You, did you really. figure Did you I, figure it I, out? I remembered it. You finally- I remembered it. Everyone. <laughs> okay, good. Um, I uh, you were talking earlier. This is for I think a lot of people that may potentially hear this. Um, you were talking earlier about you know your upbringing, and honestly, I think a lot of people uh, can relate to this in the sense that. Um, when you are born uh, with maybe less parents or none or, you know, whatever the situation might be, or maybe you just feel alone in some way or feel like you can't go to those people um, and you have to learn everything for yourself. You have to, you know, whatever that thing might be, you know, from simple things like brushing your teeth and just general hygiene, you know, anything, like people that things don't, things that people don't think about normally, right? Um, right. When you have that sort of lifestyle, I think people can look back at that as I get older and say, man, I didn't have the advantages of the, the guy next to me, and I don't see how I can compete with that guy. I like what you said in the sense that, you know, if you've had that much practice throughout your entire life of never taking a single thing for granted and having to learn how absolutely everything is done for yourself, then, you know, I think for you in a lot of ways, it was easier to move into something that you've never done, that you had no expertise in, that you had no mentors for, like you said, um, or never even really seen somebody up close be successful at it. Um, You knew that you've learned how to do thousands of other things by yourself throughout your life. And so I think it's important for people to hear that those being on your own or not having those mentors is not necessarily... um, doesn't doesn't mean that you can't do what you want to do or doesn't mean that you are disadvantaged and then you know contrast that with your second point which was sometimes shut up and listen to people that know better <laughs> because you know having <laughs> that like you said seeking those mentors is another really important thing um when you don't have them early on you know when you're old enough to get them get them yeah yeah I, it, it's that's i strongly strongly agree with everything you just said right now for sure i i I think that not taking for granted where you are right now and just live in the moment. I was like, look, you know, like I, when I look at all these success stories of people that, you know, are on TV or whatever it is, the first thing that comes to my mind, damn, I, I, I just want to go through like 10 years ago, like when he started or like what was his upbringing like, 
You know, like that's what I want to know. It's like, I don't really look at like the highlight reels. I really want to know like, you know, what do you do every morning? Like you wake up, what's the first thing you think of? Or, you know, Get down like, to the nitty gritty. do you, I, I, <laughs> I feel like it's, it's more important for me to know, like, what are your, what, what struggles in life that you went through that you had to overcome to get to this level of like persistence and determination to um, fulfill your dreams and your goals. Um, I, I admire that more about people than the actual like wins. I admire, I rather know on like their losses um, and how they overcame them and how they went through them instead of like sticking there. I, I rather get into those discussions with people than talk about like what camera did you use or you know like how much money you got paid or you know like you know or how much did you sell that that print for you know i that to me is it's not substantial to me in, in it's, like it's the life. ice it's the icing not the cake yeah yeah <laughs> it's it's and i hate icing i'm not even a fan of icing you know i don't even I like rather, cake at i'd rather just like i like pound cake just give me the cake like yeah. that I'm don't fine need with the it. icing i'm a brownie and ice cream guy myself oh yeah oh yeah okay that's that's a good one too I, I just want to, I mean, and to your point on that, um, it means so much more to follow the work of someone like yourself when I know what it came from, what, what this dude's story is. Why is this, why should I care about this particular photo? You know, and that's, that's what I think a lot of people are doing and what is lost in, um, really in the social media age where we have so many photos and so few sort of sources of meaning for those photos. We just sort of, you know, plastered this does up there and it gets, right, gets just, lost in the void. I'm doing my thing. I'm in my room. I'm in my underwear, whatever. And this photo doesn't apply to me. I don't really want to learn about why it applied to the artist that took it. And so next photo, please, until I find one that I relate to. Um, and I just, I mean, hearing from you, you know, a couple things, you know, first of all, I know that there are people that are out there that um, maybe they lost a parent, maybe they were unable to have a parent for one reason or another, or they just had shitty parents. I mean, the, you know, everyone has a story. Um, hearing, you know, not only that you, you, a lot of the spring of your creativity was your mom, um, but also that, you know, even when she wasn't able to be with you, she, that still set into motion a series of events that allowed you to express that you know, and seeing that and kind of understanding, um, you know, that what you're doing is not just creating photos, but you're immortalizing souls and you're really trying to capture a person in a, in a moment of time in a way that they even themselves don't know or understand. That to me is incredible. And I wouldn't know that or have that understanding of your art without this conversation. So thank you, Toots. Appreciate you oh, going man. through all that. I appreciate like everything you've said so far, for sure. I, I definitely want to leave off, you know, like uh, in, in the end of anything, I want to like be, I don't want to be remembered for like um, what I've accomplished or what brands I've worked for or, or anything like that. I'd rather be remembered for um, these memories that I created with them. You know, like, you know, Toots, not only was he a great photographer, but he made me feel things that I didn't think I could, you know, even be comfortable with, with somebody. Or, or left behind something to like give me advice on moving forward and whatever that they're looking for, like give them some sort of confidence or give them some sort of like um, positive, you know, like energy in some way to move forward with the things that you really are passionate about. Um, if anything, like and you, you definitely, everybody wants to be a testimonial or something, you know, like I personally want to speak to my, to my Ecuadorian family and to my Ecuadorian people and to my Latinos and to the immigrants and to the parents and to the struggle, you know, upbringings. I think those are the ones that I want to definitely provide a voice through me that this is not impossible. You know, I love we that. all go, there are people that are in much worse situations than me. And I'm grateful for whatever I have right now. And I always look at it as like, Every morning I'm waking up doing what I love to do and that's enough to be grateful for. But I'm also grateful that um, I'm here present and, and trying to uh, make sure that I get as much as I can within these 24 hours because what, time is something that you're not gonna get back. And obviously 
if I can go back in time, obviously I would have started a lot sooner in like picking up a camera if I could, but I didn't. And maybe I needed to, to go through these certain, like you said, like these certain like situations and life experiences to get where I'm at right now, to have more of a substance and more of a, of a impact in this industry, not as just a photographer, but as a, like a human being, you know? Um, That's great, and, man. Ending on uh, some of this stuff, what, I know that's kind of a, a big question, but what, what would you say is, is next for you? Is there, is there a goal you have in mind that you want to do next with your photography career or just general creative career? What's, what's kind of the next stepping stone that, that you want to accomplish if, if there is one? Um, well, I definitely have a project that I want to try to focus on before, uh, you know, before I leave. I definitely want to go back to Ecuador mm. and sort of, um, give the youth, the kids, um, some sort of like mentorship on art and on mm. being a photographer, not just a photographer, but just being in the creative world. I think that me growing up in Ecuador wasn't really, or, or just in general, I don't see a lot of, uh, I see more like journalistic people making a living and they're young. Um, but I think that we need to express more on just basically the creative world in Ecuador. And I think if I can create some sort of um, community or hub in my homeland, um, giving these kids an opportunity not just say to themselves, I want to go to the United States and make a lot of money and work for um, whatever, Nike or some brands, because they feel like that's somewhat success. Mm-hmm. You know, that's like saying I've made it. And it's not that. It's like, almost giving them some sort of mentorship and guidance on like you can do whatever you want as long as you're passionate about it but that's more fulfillment than saying that you made it to this country and worked with this brand that's just a temporary feeling it's not it's not going to fill a lot of voice that you have and as you get older i think that definitely one of the projects is to go back to my homeland and just reconnect with if anything, my, my, my family and, and the people in my country, you know, I think is, it's, it's the best way to know where I come from and, you know, who you really are and why, you know, what is this, you know, like it's, it's an importance to me to know where I come from and to know where I need to go after that, you know, to learn how, where I need to head after that. Um, there's also a lot of other projects that I want to deal with, but I think that's the top of my list for now. That's killer, man. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know when that's gonna happen, but it's definitely. A, so it's a goal. Well, it won't be in the next few months. Is that's yeah? My I was guess. gonna say it's a great goal. <laughs> you might have to put it on pause just for a little bit longer. That was a Corona it. joke. If anyone yeah. missed that, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. We always like do. You, do you've, you have anything else? Well, I just wanted to say. I mean, to you know, Brian's thinking what I'm thinking here, but uh, you've listened to a, another episode at least of our podcast, so you probably know this is coming. We have one question at the end of each podcast that we like to ask our guests. Uh, Brian has it queued up for you right now. So yeah. I'm very excited for this. And the weirdest part is I don't even know where the origin of this one came from. We I just happened to just ask everyone it so far. out of our ass somehow. And so now and we're... Now we can't stop. We're, we're kind it's of committed addiction. to it until we either get in too much trouble for it's it or it just falls apart. But we always kind of on a more lighthearted note like to end on this. If you could hack Donald Trump's Twitter account and send out one tweet, what would it say? You only, you only get, you get 140 characters... To tweet on his account. What, <laughs> what, what would you say to it? I, I, I didn't think you were gonna, guys, were gonna ask me this. But, um, <laughs> I know, like I said, we don't even know where it came from. It's just, it's, uh, it's a good one though. It's a good one. Oh man, you know what? It's like I, it, it's a definitely a con. It's, it's conflicting because I know that this is really, really important. Um, I, I don't know. I think sorry I to put you on the spot. Like what comes to my mind is like I'm just gonna shut up. You know, <laughs> I think that's it. I'm just gonna shut up. That would be that would probably be the first thing that comes to my mind. Uh, yeah, I'm just gonna be like, um, yeah, I'm gonna shut up. Gonna shut That's up. it. Okay. okay. Um, and then the <laughs> the the kind of adverse of that, if if you could send out kind of one last tweet, you know, maybe on your 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 deathbed or something, you get you get one last one out. What what would you want to say to to the to the people to kind of what's the last thing you'd want to put out to the world? I guess is kind of. I, I I say like hug a little longer. To embrace yeah something in the in the realm of like make sure you you just hug a little longer 
that's great. That, that's great. That's that's that what comes to mind as far as which, especially now through pandemic. I was like, about to say, yeah, it's definitely very topical given given the state of the world now. Yeah. And wash your hands. Those are the things that come to mind right now. <laughs> Dustin, do you have anything else, man? This is man. I mean, I just would like to say to you, brother. I mean, it was killer having you on here. I loved it. Um, you know, if we're ever in, uh, you know, the, not locked down in in different parts of the country, it'd be sick to hang out with you. Um, I'm just I'm stoked to have you as part of our show and part of what we're doing. And um, hopefully, this has been meaningful for you as well. So, I just want to say thank it, you, bud. I want to congratulate you guys, man. This is such a very um, positive um platform that you guys are creating for people like us um in general i think um i commend you guys for sure and i will one of my goals is definitely on my list is to visit portland one day so please man come through we will we will show you Portland. yeah so i will definitely reach out to you guys and you know what thank you so much and i hope that at the end of the day whoever's listening that you know if if there's at least one good message that that gives them some sort of like you know um encouragement to just feel good about something that they're doing and if they ever have a problem or concern just send a dm or send a tweet to toots and and i'll I'll make sure i provide some time for sure right on and we can find you on at toots on instagram right and then you're on your toots as well on twitter i'm toots at twitter too t-u-t-e-s t-u-t-e-s and then my website is just toots.nyc Awesome, dude. Well, Toots, brother, thank you so much for this. You're honestly one of the most like genuine down to earth artists I've met, man. It's been a pleasure doing this. So thank you for taking the time to do this. Honestly, it's incredible. I appreciate you guys. Thank you so much. I I commend you guys and I can't wait to see all these other interviews that you guys are doing in the future. It's been really great hearing you guys for sure. Right on, man. Looking forward to talking to you soon, brother. Thanks, guys. Have a good one.